Hello. Hi. Hi. Oh my goodness. I goodness was afraid was right. what happened last time happen again. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Let me just get organized here. So, oh, good, good, yay. Yay! So, so wonderful to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Yes. So now you have such an interesting background and history. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself so that we know who you are. I know that you're a coach and a speaker, that you work with intuition to help people kind of zero in on their life path. So tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy to. I, um, I call myself a transformational coach because my work is really fast and really deep and it is what I call spirit led or spirit guided, um, which means that usually the best way I've found of describing it is uh, your soul talks to my soul and tells me what to tell you. So oh, nice. yes, yeah, so that's the experience that we have as we are going through the process together. But I also, um, I'm a, a published author, I lead tours all over the world. And what I have learned uh, is that sometimes you have to get to the 65,000 foot view of your life in order to see what the answers are and in order to see the direction that you wanna go next. So um, I was an atheist until I was in my mid thirties. And then I went to Egypt for the first time. And on that trip, um, I, I call God spirit. So spirit hit me upside the head and told me I had a soul and I would never die. And like, I got it on my cells. So in that moment, I was no longer an atheist. And so that led to my leading tours that led to my writing that led to eventually my coaching work. And I don't understand about two thirds of what I do. So like right now I'm studying brain science to learn like, oh, why does this happen when we do this thing? Because it's all being guided as I go. So I'll download like a process or, or I'll download something that needs to come through for somebody so that they can get to their answers as quickly as possible. Oh, that's wonderful though, because seriously, sometimes we just, you know, even though we're not trying to, and even though we're consciously feeling like we're making effort towards removing blocks and barriers for ourselves, sometimes we just like get stuck and we can't really um, internally do what we need to do in order to kind of bypass this little roadblock or whatever that we're dealing with. And so doing the brain science part of it, is that like um, Joe Dispenza's kind yeah. of work? Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. not not just a Dispenza's work, but I'm right in the middle of breaking the habit of being yourself. And um, a lot of what, I mean, I've been studying his stuff for a while and what he says makes so much sense to me because I really like the neuroscience piece of it. Uh, but I also, it's, it's interesting because he's so spiritual in a not spiritual way. <laughs> I can't explain right. it better than that. And, and for me, I like, I never like to take anything for for granted, I, I, I've, all, I've always said, I, I'm not the person that ever has faith. Like, show me, show me it works, show me the results, show me. And uh, it turns out that you can actually manifest using those very words and using those very concepts. And so 
I don't really need to have faith because spirit keeps showing me and that's how I go through my life and how I help uh, with my clients the most, so, which I think is, I mean, to me, my job in the world is to help people wake up. And right now I tend to focus on women more as clients. I do have men who are clients, but mostly I work with women and um, I want them to be empowered. I want them to have their voices. I want them to know what's possible for women in today's world, having been you know, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur for over 30 years. I was one of five female executives in the entire software industry when I was running my first company back in my 20s. And it's a, you know, I mean, the world has really changed significantly in our adulthood. Um, so I, I want women who are, you know, our age or older, you know, 10 years younger or whatever, to also know that they have the right to their voice and that it's time to have that voice amplified. And then I want younger women who I think are, oh, I, I would, I, I like, I have a 15 year old niece and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I love what you get to experience in your life these days. So I, I want to help anybody who's younger also to, you know, to blossom as quickly as they can. Right, right. And yeah, like you said, I mean, even in the past 10 years, when you think about how business has shifted and everything is so, you know, kind of fast paced. But in the same way, like you said, there are so many opportunities, especially for women right now to be able to thrive and prosper but we also need to kind of hold each other up <laughs> at this moment because yeah there i mean things are shifting but i do feel like there is still a kind of an imbalance in that respect it's it's the gap is narrowing but there is still you know and and also women do things differently than men do you think? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. And m one thing that I have learned um, much more recently than I would have liked is women should do things differently than men, that there's a different dynamic that's created by the concept of the sacred divine feminine. And that was excised from our entire culture, religion and society thousands of years ago, much to our detriment. So we have the opportunity now to allow and receive and create as women, like those are the areas of the sacred divine feminine. Those are, that's the purview the creator energy, the receiver energy, the allowing energy and the masculine, which is the world as we live in it today, the patriarchy that we live in. And when I say patriarchy, that sounds like I'm, you know, like oh, I'm against the patriarchy. I love men. I do. I think that they're awesome. I just don't think they should be running everything with a complete disregard to things like intuition, for example. And then to tell women what they should be doing with their, you know, intuition also. So I think there needs to be a lot more balance. And you said things are, you know, things are better, but there's still this imbalance. It's 
it, it it's being you know i feel like the pendulum's like all the way over here off screen and then it's starting to swing <laughs> back toward but it'll go hopefully you know more this way before you know it comes back and corrects to center because i feel like we need that time you know covid has been in some regards a big gift it has oh, given yeah. a lot of people the time for introspection it's given the land time to recover from the human race uh you know like destroying it as quickly as we possibly can and as a result to breathe and so i feel like those are kind of feminine aspects as well Oh yeah, definitely. I like conservation and connection with the land. And, you know, I feel like you hit the target on so many different things that I've been, you know, experiencing on my own walks and in my own introspective um, times as well. Just like, you know, conservation, not overusing everything, you know, deciding what's important and what our priorities are so that we're not consistently, you know, draining the earth of all of the resources because we can. Uh oh, I lost your sound. Yeah, hang on. Um, what happened here? Uh, I can't hear you. You can hear me though? Yeah. Okay. Settings. Let's see. Audio. Speaker. Stereo audio. Okay. Still can't hear you. Yeah. Okay, I'm waiting. Can you but hear me now? I can. Yay! <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, good. Sorry about that. Uh, no worries. Sometimes, yeah, I'm used to every once in a while, you just have to roll with it. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're so welcome. you were just saying that we I just said all these things that you were all excited about. So that's good. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. And I totally understand what you mean about the patriarchy, too. It's kind of interesting to get this adult perspective of the patriarchy kind of and and see how women you know in the roles that we've been given traditionally as the mothers and the nurturers and the caretakers and everything like that we have all of this unseen labor time you know the appointments the dinners the shopping the the consistent um uh tally of what we need and what we have and everything and seeing how much more freedom actually men have had traditionally to pursue all of it <laughs> all yeah. the freedom yeah. yeah yeah really yeah and oh god 
Well, I just had a thought because, I mean, what you're talking about, though, to me is still like kind of, I mean, I thought that was really all that there was. I thought that that was the big problem. And what I've discovered in my, you know, sacred divine feminine research, I'll just call it, is it's so much more pervasive than that. You know, women being excised from history, uh, yeah. women being excised from any rights whatsoever. I mean, this is something that I was shocked to find out fairly recently. Like, I'm going to say I found this out like last year that women couldn't have their own bank accounts or their own credit cards until I think that I think the dates were like 1968 and 1971, respectively. Well, yeah. that's in my lifetime. I call my mom. I'm like, what? And she's like, well, but usually you were married after you left your father's house. So you didn't notice unless your husband was a jerk and like didn't let you. I mean, what? <laughs> Just shocked the heck out of me. And so that's the kind of stuff where, you know, men controlled every aspect of your life. And if you didn't want to be controlled by that circumstance or that situation, you had very few outlets and very few options that were available to you, especially at a time when you could be a school teacher or you could be a nurse. But then you had to choose between that and having a family. And, you know, and that's only 50 years after you could be a school teacher, you could be a nurse or you could be a servant. And that was all that was open to you. And then you definitely weren't going to have a family because there were laws that said that you couldn't, or at least really stringent rules that said that you couldn't. So, I mean, we're really like, we're just in a completely different time frame than that, you know, with women CEOs and women entrepreneurs and women having the freedom to say and do and be who and what they choose. But there's this legacy that's like super weighty of that those stories still being told to us as we were growing up and even still as adults. Also, you said something earlier about women supporting each other. There, that's become like my big thing is I don't like it when women tear each other down at all because it's so painful for a woman to speak out in the first place and then to have her sisters say she's too fat or too old or too ugly or too outspoken or too, I mean, whatever. It's like we're, we, we speak in these stereotypes as we cut down these other women. Right. Oh, yeah. And, and, but when you think about it, in in terms of how we've been brought up, and how the past like 2000 years has been even, and it is so deeply ingrained into us that other women are dangerous, because they can take away our resources. And when you think about it in terms of we couldn't own property, we couldn't have our own money, we couldn't speak for ourselves in a lot of ways, then you see kind of where that, that um, I don't wanna say desire because I don't think it was a desire, but where that competitive front actually came in and pit women against one another. And when you think about it in terms of like witch hunts and um, 
even cultural clashes that we're going through right now and things like that, pitting women against each other is, is one of the means of control. Mm, and interestingly enough, one of the few ways that women could exert any control over anyone or anything was to be overpowering by her beauty or by her wiles, the other women. The stories of, you know, the Greek gods, for example, you know, um, Hera is the queen of the heavens, but, you know, the other goddesses are always in competition mm -hmm. with her for Zeus. And that is very much the patriarchal story. And then you go back to things like, you know, Mary Magdalene going from being made into a... Um, a, a disciple of Jesus. I mean, there is a gospel of Mary Magdalene. It has been dated back to the Nag Hammadi text. It's not, somebody's like has not just written it recently. These date back to as old as any of the other gospels. And yet Mary Magdalene was made into a penitent whore in the Bible. And they, the Catholic church disavowed this in the sixties. And I, I mean, you, you know, when did you find out about it? Probably when you saw the Da Vinci Code, like everybody else, right. <laughs> but it was disavowed, you know, decades earlier. It just, I don't know, wasn't widely advertised as the Catholic Church does not like to say they were wrong about anything. But that kind of story is so pervasive that it's no wonder that women see themselves, you know, I mean, this whole, like, you know, Madonna, or whore with the wife maybe somewhere in the middle, like those are your only options, right? And um, and I feel like this has a great effect in the way that women think of themselves in business, run their businesses and deal with what women call competition in business as well. Right. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm all like psh, high five with that because it's really just, yeah. It, when we peel back all of these different layers and we see, and then we have to sort that out within ourselves and we have to somehow, you know, settle into a place where we feel comfortable within ourselves and we know that we have, you know, that we are safe to express ourselves, that we're safe to lead um, sometimes and sometimes not, you know, and it's just really even looking at things today, how, how in the Western world, yeah, women have a lot more rights that, than they do. And so lifting our sisters up, and I've, this has been like a topic of thought, because the more rights women get overall, it seems like the more rights everybody gets. Do you understand what I mean? Really good observation. I've never heard anybody put it that way before. I love that. May I borrow that in the future? Of course. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. <laughs> definitely. Because and and when you're being oppressed by, you know, a man or a society in your life and then you realize you come to this place where you can help yourself out of that oppression, of course you're going to bring your kids or your cousin who's staying with you or, you know, the the other people who are involved in that. So it's just it's fascinating to see how this is 
you know, kind of having ripple effects. And then we're, we're championing, you know, earth preservation. Oh, yeah. And yeah. And, and teaching so, our children, right? Yes. And the, the, the sons grow up differently when the mothers are able to teach them differently. Uh, so, yeah. So I, oh, I love everything you just said, really. It's just mm, so powerful. Thank you. So, yeah, because that's what I'm noticing in my life, too. I mean, and and you're exactly right. We're teaching our children then how to act and mm -hmm. our male children, because I have two boys and one girl. My daughter is like a, a she's a STEM person. You know, she graduated with IT and then she went on to chemistry. And so, mm -hmm. you know, and, and then my boys, I'm teaching them like respect women, like respect other people. And, and yeah, I'm all like, I can't unpack the whole totality of it. No, I, I know, I know. But I, I read a, a, a meme the other day that talked about the, the fact that we have generically spoken about things like rape. We don't say this many men raped this many women. We say women this many women were raped or we mm -hmm. don't say from a business standpoint we don't say you know uh, uh, this many women left their jobs during the pandemic because this many men stayed and the women were the caretakers in those families we just say this many women left the workforce so we don't talk about the man's part in the experience and I, you know, I think from the standpoint of like wanting to call that spade a spade, we kind of need to, we need to start having these conversations where we say, if we don't like this thing and this thing was, was, was perpetrated, perpetuated, whatever by men, then let's talk about the man's part in this mm -hmm. um, so that we can heal it. You know, that's what's so important is, is, is getting to that place of healing. Women are nurturers and caretakers because we are the creators by, by birthright. And that means that the more that we can give ourselves the, that place in society where we are allowed to create, where we are allowed to receive, where we are allowed to allow as opposed to the masculine side, which is the structures and the doing, right? The woman creates and the man executes. This takes us back to the Holy Grail story, or sorry, the Grail stories, not the Holy Grail specifically, because uh, that's a whole nother thing. But the Grail legends uh, with like Arthur and uh, Guinevere and the Knights of the Round Table, you know, the lady sends the knights out on the quest. What is that? That's the masculine and the feminine the the feminine is the creator and the and the masculine is the doer and that's like how it's supposed to be because that's the, and we all have the you know the sacred divine masculine and feminine we all have that balance inside of us it's just the masculine is like all down here and i am I was going to say I'm ashamed to say, but that's not true because it's the lessons that teach us you know who we become today so there's no shame in our past but um, when I was in my 20s running that software company and my 30s running my real estate business, I was taking so much pride in 
I just act like one of the boys. I'm running this company. I'm getting in there and getting this stuff done. And that is something that I have really come completely 180 degrees on. It doesn't support us the way that it does if I move through the world with my feminine and masculine balanced. And if I create, allow, and receive more inside of a masculine world, I can actually get more accomplished with less effort. And to me, like my coaching practice is all about how can you take the quantum leap, right? Do you have to climb the corporate ladder rung by rung by rung, or could you go from here to here? Um, we we're talking about brain science earlier, right? Well, quantum physics says that, that the quark can go from A to D without going through B and C, or it can go from A to J, which you didn't even know was there when you were conducting your experiment. <laughs> and the, like the, one of the first spiritual axioms as above, so below, as within, so without, if a quark can do it, we can do it, right? So that's why I love the brain science behind it because it's like, oh, that gives me an example. There's no woo woo stuff in here. It's just, you know, this is the math. And so if it's just math, as my programmers used to say, now I can extrapolate without faith to my life and to the lives of the people that I work with. So if you want to take that quantum leap, if we as a society want to take that quantum leap, that masculine feminine balance is everything because the masculine is climbing the corporate ladder rung by rung. It's why we have that belief system in the first place that goes along with our business structures today. And the sacred divine feminine says, no, no, we can go from A to D or A to J. All we have to do is imagine it and allow it and ask how we can get there. And I like to use the phrase, what is my next smallest step? So I ask, what is my next, you know, ask your higher power, whatever that is for you. What is my next smallest step? This is my goal all the way down here. I can't see how to get to that goal. It's even so big. We can't even call it a goal. It's a dream. So I definitely can't see how to get over the wall to get to the end. I can ask what's my next smallest step and allow that to unfold. Nice. Nice. And then, I mean, that's how you work with your clients. Then you take them on that little, let's, let's just do baby steps. Let's just put your goal here. Well, let's figure out what your goal is to begin with. Because clarity, clarity must be first. Yeah. Yes. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And do you feel like, is that how people come to you? Like unclear about what their goal is or unclear about what the path is for them or kind of a mixture of like, I just know what I want to do, but I just don't know. Well, it depends on the person. So I definitely get a mix. There are definitely people who come to me. Like I run a, um, a small sacred group coaching program for women called Goddess Knows. Most of the women that come into that program come in lacking clarity. Um, when okay. I work with private clients, a lot of times the private client comes in and she says, I already know exactly what I want and I have no idea how to get there and I want your help getting there because I, I used to have this as, as my slogan, um, but it, it was a little too, too, so I, I took it out. But 
um, I used to say I am the how because I could work with somebody and they didn't know how, but I am the how for them because it's literally none of your business how you're going to do it. Your job is to say, I want this, I desire this. And once you've said, I desire this, now the question becomes, how do I get there? And now I, I will not pursue that dream because I don't know what to do. I don't know even how to take that first step. So asking the question, what is my next smallest step? And then being guided by me or someone like me is, you know, that becomes their how. Uh, and over time, taking that series of baby steps combined with quantum leaps, you can get anywhere you want, which is really remarkable. I mean, anywhere you want. Well, that sounds, yeah, I'm all like, that sounds awesome. Sign me up. Sign me up. Exactly. Because I think that's, I think people get stuck, number one, on, like, I don't think they have a problem with the vision. I think we're all like, you know, vision board and goals and everything like that. But when you, when you get into that process there, it gets, it's just full of pitfalls and trips and, you know, kind of uh, bridges, we'll call them. Um, my new thing is the bridge is not the path. It's just a bridge. <laughs> I love it. I, you know, um, sometimes that's true that people have those that clarity. But here's a little hint for your listeners if, or your viewers. If you're not getting where you want, if your vision board isn't coming to fruition, if you have that dream, but you aren't necessarily like going, there's a resistance or you're not going in the direction that you desire to go through that is a hint that you do not have the clarity that you require mm -hmm. or perhaps that you are on the wrong path so sometimes people will come to me and they'll be like i want this and you know i also i do business strategies so i mean that's like part and parcel of of the work so i will help you get there but a lot of times i'll run into a snag that i can't like hey we're not able to get around this and then we start asking the questions and it turns out you're doing the thing that you believe that you need to do to make money, for example, or you're doing the thing that you believe that you need to do to support your family in a way that they believe in, or, you know, the drill, like the, you know, <laughs> the person who has the degree and the thing that they didn't want because their parents wanted them to, and now they're in that job and they just don't love it. That I run into fairly regularly. And then it's a matter of, all right, where is your heart guiding you? And can you be brave and choose that? Because it's time to get you on the path of what you came here to this planet to do. So I feel like the that clarity piece, you're absolutely right. Most of the time people are like, yeah, I know what I want. I don't know how to get there. But there is this other you know, there, there are other people who, even when they're entrepreneurs, sometimes it's like, oh, I'm going after this kind of client because I think this is what I should do. Like I talked to a lady yesterday. Um, I coach a lot of groups where like I'm the mindset coach for the, the big business group. So um, I talked to a woman for the first time yesterday. She was like, um, I do website design. Oh, okay. That's fascinating. Who are your clients? Well, my clients are like large medical professionals. 
And I'm like, I could feel my eyes glazing over as she's talking <laughs> about just who her client is, because I can feel intuitively, I don't want to work with those people. And I was happy to work with her and happy to help her. And she's enjoy working with these high-end medical professionals. And I'm huh. like, yay, I'm so glad that this is the perfect fit for you because you want to really sit with who are you in alignment with as far as your clients go? Who are you, you know, like what's the feeling in your gut, the feeling in your heart, the feeling in your mind, are your eyes rolling up to the top of your head when you start thinking about who the client is that is bringing you the money? Because sometimes that's where that, like you have clarity on what you want your job to be or your vocation, but you don't have clarity on who you want your perfect client to be. Mm -hmm. And you're going after where you like think the money is, and that's not where your alignment is. Mm, that is a really good point to make too, because I feel like a lot of people cast a super wide net. They just want to work with anybody. And it's just like, mm, just anybody, especially like when you're doing readings and healing and stuff like that. I don't want to work with skeptics. I don't want to work with somebody who's going to tell me I'm going to hell and you know, like those aren't my people. So. Well, what you just said is like vitally, vitally important. And I, um, I have to share this with lots of people because the wider the net you cast, the more generally you speak, the internet attention span is 3.8 seconds right now. <laughs> like you have time. I taught, I coach a group of realtors and I'm always saying to them, by the time you get finished saying, hi, I'm Sue. And if you're looking to buy or sell your home, that's 3.8 seconds. They're out of there already. So yep. you've got to start speaking very specifically to your audience. And more importantly, and this is where the spiritual piece of this comes in, you want to talk in an emotionally evocative way that hits them in their heart and hits them in their gut. You know, somebody said to me yesterday on the, the realtor call that I do, she was like, well, I'm, I know what my value proposition is. And I'm like, hello, let's discuss the fact that value proposition is a flat line energetically and means absolutely nothing. But right. if you say, I want to know, I, I know absolutely what's in it for my clients. Now that's an emotionally evocative set of words. You know, when your clients are dialing into the their favorite radio station WIFM what's in it for me <laughs> and you want you 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 want to tune into that when you're writing your copy or when you're doing your marketing because without that emotional evoking of oh she made me feel this or oh wow that just smacks me in the gut they're not going to listen and the more general you are the less you can do that the more you have to speak in terms of if you're looking to buy or sell your home and that's where people, they don't resonate with it. So if, if you're writing that marketing copy and they're not buying, that's why, because you're not being specific emotionally and you're not talking to your perfect client, which is why that clarity of that perfect client is so powerful and important. Right. Right. I'm glad that you brought that up too, because it, it's, really sometimes a little bit um i don't discombobulating is too strong of a word but when you when you look at people and and you see that they're just kind of like repeating 
what they hear, like these catchphrases and what everybody else is saying, like you were saying that that um, bottom line or and, and you're just like, you know, that does nothing. But when you're like, are you interested in renovating a gorgeous Victorian mansion? Can you see yourself after you've finished all of this process and everything? That's going to be somebody totally different than like somebody who's like, are you ready for your penthouse apartment where you're going to, you know, where everything's already done and you don't have to take care of anything. And, you know, so it's two different people and absolutely. And they're speaking two different languages. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you, or at least two different dialects of the yeah. same language. And if you can talk evocatively to the one that you want to get, that's the thing, like the, one of the basic business lessons that I learned, and I didn't learn it until I started coaching. I did not learn it when I was in my, um, you know, my software business or my real estate practice. It took me almost 30 years to get to this concept just because you focus on a particular niche doesn't mean you can't also focus on other niches. You just cannot focus on everything at the same time. You need <laughs> to pick a lane and you need to stay there until that lane is successful and then you move to the next lane. So if, if you want to talk to that audience and that other audience, that's fine. Just don't do it in the same ad or don't do it in the same marketing piece. And if you want to talk to the same audience, if you want to talk to different audiences and they're very disparate, find a different way. Like on LinkedIn, is there a colleague that you can work with where you can, their profile can be aimed at that audience and their, and your profile can be aimed at this audience on Facebook. Can you put up a post that's for this person? And then three days later, put up a post that's for this person. Because what happens when you do that is people self-select away as well as self-selecting toward. And that's what you want because otherwise when they're not your client, like you don't want the person that's going to show up and tell you you're going to hell. That's right. not useful. They're not getting anything out of it because they can't hear you and you're not getting anything out of it because you're personally insulted and it ruined your afternoon. So <laughs> when you write, you know, about like, for example, the goddess, the person who is going to be like super rigid in their belief system about, you know, if it's not Jesus Christ, their personal Lord and Savior, you're going to hell. And I know some of those people, they're lovely people, unless you start talking religion or politics with them. <laughs> right. but if, when they feel like that, like let themselves select away from you. They're simply not your client. Whereas I will refer them all day long to my friend, the born again Christian business coach, because she can speak their language and they're going to be able to hear her and she's going to have a great client from that. So there's somebody for everybody and your, you know, one of the best things you can do in business is network the Christmas out of all of it so that you have the born again Christian coach to send them to or the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the realtor that specializes in the exact kind of golf course home that they're looking for when you never want to step foot on a golf course in your life. So that can also be immensely helpful. And that's how you can have reciprocally more, you know, business relationships. Yeah. And I love that network, network, network. And, you know, you don't have to serve and everybody like trying to serve everybody is just like that scarcity mindset where you're just like, you know, and if, if you can be generous enough to say, hey, I don't think I'm a right fit for you, but I know this person over here who would do wonders mm -hmm. for you. 
it's it's just such an energetic shift. Yes, and again, a very feminine approach, collaboration, mm -hmm. not competition. That is the sacred divine feminine at work in our businesses. And more importantly for you, like, cause it's what's in it for me, right? So what's in it for the person that chooses this for the first time and hasn't made this a way of life yet is it will expand your energetic container. It's like you get to hold more abundance by allowing the flow of the abundance. When we hold the thing tightly, it's because it's limited. So we are literally, by holding on to whatever that is, the energy of money, the energy of competition, the energy of, I can't, you know, I have to take any client that comes to me because I have to be able to pay the bills this month. All of that energy is the energy of limitation. And when you let go, when you open your fists and allow the water to flow through, you are allowing the cycle so that it can flow back to you. And you can, you know, you can write on your checks. This is coming back to me 10,000 fold. You can energetically send that out. As I give you this referral, seven referrals are coming back to me. I'm pulling the number seven out of, you know, the air, but whatever. I mean, it's a, whatever your power number is like, you know, or I, for every referral I send out, I get back to whatever the, phrases, the mantra is that you want to create. It's the energy of the flow of business. It's the energy of allowing, and it's the energy of receiving and receiving back to you. I set the intention at the beginning of the month. I was like, oh, I'm so grateful that I'm bringing four new clients into my programs this month, just four I'm or better, four or more. I'm so grateful for that. And now I'm basking in the energy of the gratitude of those clients showing up. Somebody referred me to somebody yesterday. We haven't spoken yet, but we were on our, she's on my schedule for later this week. Where did she come from? She came from the energetic creation of my intention and my desire and my gratitude for having already received the gift from spirit and you know whatever your higher power is. That's how that shows up for you in your life. And I'm so excited about the other three people coming through. I don't know who they are and it doesn't <laughs> matter. And the former way that I used to be was let's, let's do it the masculine way. Let's like get in there and like, we're gonna just like wrestle it to the ground and we're gonna make it be. And now I'm like, I'm so grateful that I'm allowing this. It's a very different energy and it allows Oh, so much more peace and room and spaciousness and flow and not ever worrying about my bills or my money again. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I'm going to throw the butt in here. Go. Um, I'm a mindset coach for a reason, but yes. But okay. So when you set the intention and you sit in this state of gratitude and then you're just like, but it's the 17th, you know, or whatever today is the 16th. And, uh, you know, and then you start like tripping yourself up on like divine timing. Divine timing for me is, a, you know, it's something that comes up a lot in, in, in the work. So how do you teach a person to maintain their faith when they're not seeing their, the, Beautiful things come through to them. 
I love this question so much. And I, it just came up literally in a group that I was coaching this last week. It, we were talking about that. And the first thing is take the deadlines away. Take divine timing is fine. So you don't have to, I said four new clients this month, uh, three days ago, I didn't wait. I, I didn't, I didn't get a chance. I did it on the, the new moon. I did not do it on. So I'm in a different cycle. I'm in the, you know, the next 28 day cycle because I've shifted less. I mean, we, we made up the Gregorian calendar that we work with, you right. know, like the Balinese. I, I spent a lot of time leading tours to Bali and the Balinese have three calendars that they, so they, they use the lunar calendar, the Gregorian calendar and the Balinese Hindu calendar which oh. all have completely different cycles. Like the Balinese calendar, the first week is one day long, the second week is two days long, the third week is three days long. I forget, I think it's like seven weeks and then it goes back to the, to the. so, I mean, and they impose all three. It's like having to learn a new language. So you go to Bali and you learn about the calendar systems and you're like, yeah, we just made all that up. That has no reality <laughs> at all. So. So as a result, like when it's the 17th and you're like, oh my God, where are my clients? That's a, that's a, a, a message for, for you to take the time off the table, say in divine timing, so that you don't have that issue. I haven't done it. I just realized as, as we were you know, talking about this, I haven't done anything that's time-based in a long time because my brain has a tendency to do exactly what you just said. And then I'm like, oh God, well, you know, here it is the 17th and I haven't done like half of what I said I would do. And therefore that means the other half is in jeopardy. I had a client, uh, I, have a, I have a private client that I work with. Uh, she tends to bring in like over a hundred grand every month in her business. It was the 27th and she was at like $30,000 or something. And she doubled down. She was like, this is happening. And she recommitted to that $100,000 or more by the end of the month. Cause she's super deadline oriented like that. I think her final tally was like 150. By the no. time the smoke cleared around the third of the month, that was how much she had closed between. And so is that possible for all of us all day long? Is it likely for all of us? It depends. How much are you getting in your own way about it? How much are you telling yourself the story of what's possible versus what's not possible? When you're in that lack space of, oh God, it's the 17th and I haven't, you have just sent a message, an energetic vibration out of, don't bring me those clients because I just told you not to because you didn't right. I don't have them. You just sent that vibration out. So that slows your role, so to speak. And then you do that often enough. You basically are, are at a standstill. Um, I call this the desire snag. The desire snag mm -hmm. is I put the message out into the world for the thing that I desire. And therefore, simultaneously, I have the lack of it. Because I don't have it, so therefore I have the lack of it. But I'm aware of the lack of it. When you give thanks for the thing that you have already received, as if you had already received it before it actually comes in, there is no lack there. So when we are grateful for the box, the gift, the wrapped gift that we have received, I think I know what's in it, but I haven't, you know, I haven't opened it yet. But I'm so grateful that you gave it to me and that you got it for me. And I can feel that I'm going to love this gift. That's the energy that you want. The, the Christmas morning birthday energy of 
Oh, these clients, I love them. I, there's, they are, of course, they're already here. And then if you, if you can't work with that energy for sustained time and take it off the table as far as the timing. And I'm sure all of your listeners know about Abraham, right? The channel yeah, I, group. Yeah. So Abraham says 17 seconds of that directed energy begins to move worlds and 64 seconds. And, you know, I used to try to create 64 seconds of that energy. And literally after like 30 seconds, my brain's like, okay, well, you're done now. Like, and you're halfway out of the chair and you're like, wait, I only needed the 64 seconds and I didn't even get halfway there. So we have this tendency to self-sabotage, but if you direct your energy, so sometimes what I do is like, I will record the thing that I desire and the story about the thing that I desire, I'll record it on a voice memo. And then I'm listening to that three minutes or whatever every single day, because I'm a very oral person. I like, I have clear audience. That's one of the one of the um, ways that my my intuition shows up. So maybe you're a visual person. Maybe the vision board is your thing. But whatever it is, you need to spend time with that, and you need to spend time with it in a way that like focuses your brain so that you can have the attention on the thing, whatever the thing is. But for a very short period of time, two to three minutes a day will do it. Two to three minutes twice a day. Woo! Look out. <laughs> So, yeah. Well, and it all ties in, you know, when you go back to like, if we go full circle back to Dr. Joe Dispenza and back to the quantum physics and everything like that, by creating that energy and sitting in that place of gratitude and sitting in that place of, you know, like, woohoo, Christmas time energy, then you are making that quantum leap you are bypassing the b and c and d by doing that yes absolutely and and the the manifestation is the the way i mean i've studied a lot of different ways to manifest and the thing that works for me the thing that allowed me to wrap my head around it finally was the idea that you're bringing the future into the present the future is not now and all we ever have is now, right? And now, and now, and now, and now. So in order for the thing to be safe in your brain, to create that safe state in your brain where your brain can get behind, yes, we can go there and I'm not going to resist that. We have to be able to bring the future into the present because it tells the brain that the future is now safe. Otherwise, the brain is like, got to stay in the cave, stay in the cave so the saber-toothed tiger doesn't eat you. And that, and where are you, wherever you are now is the cave and wherever you want to be is not safe because there could be a saber toothed tiger out there. So you can either like kind of the masculine way is understanding intellectually that there are two different kinds of fear. There's fear of scary guy in dark alley and there's fear of uh, the, you know, the unknown and fear of the unknown is not the same thing as fear of scary guy in the dark alley, but it shows up in our bodies the same way. So you can draw your sword when you recognize fear of the unknown and rush fearlessly into it. And that causes the fear to dissipate. So that's a beautiful thing. Or you can also move into this other space where you bring the future. This would be probably the more feminine way of doing it. You bring the future into the present by your intention, by seeing, hearing, tasting, touching, and feeling, smelling. That's what I meant. That was the fifth one. 
feeling and touching are the same thing. So uh, use your five senses to create the space around you, almost like a hologram. And I will uh, close my eyes and imagine the next house that I'm living in. And as I'm doing that, I'm touching things. I'm drinking my, you know, my coffee that's here. I'm drinking it, but I'm drinking it in my new chair or in this chair, because I love this chair, in my new office, in my new home with the gorgeous view. So that's, you know, how to like embody the five senses so that you embody is a great word because you are literally putting it into your physical being. And now that feels like a safe state. And now you can create that in your future because you've created it in your now. You've taught your brain that it's already happening. Now it's just a matter of asking when's my next, you know, what's my next smallest step. Nice. I love that. And just going back to that question every time, when what's my next smallest step? Every time. Yeah. 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 And so you work with people as a part of a group, you work with them in tour situations, you work with them one-to-one. Yeah. What's your favorite or do you have a favorite? Oh my goodness. So I'm one of those people that probably equally loves everything that I do. I don't like, I, 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 there's that famous quote, I hate writing, I love having writ. I think Benjamin Franklin <laughs> said that or Thomas Jefferson or somebody, but I'm, that's the one thing where like, that's not my favorite, but any of the coaching that I do, I love coaching my groups. When people say like, oh, I, I don't know, I'm a coach and I don't know if I can really coach groups as well. I find that spiritually, the person asking the question is like the focused source, right? The light source. And then their an the, the answer kind of beams out to everybody else. So there's people in the group who are like, oh my gosh, I never would have thought to ask that, but I got something out of that answer too. And then energetically, when you do a clearing or when I do a clearing, everybody in the group is getting the clearing at the same time. I, I wasn't always able to do that, but you know, the work up levels over time. And so now that's the way that it works. So if you're willing to welcome that in and be okay with that, boy, is that starting to allow more people. So, you, so the advantage of the group is the one to many, but then the advantage with the private clients, I mean, yesterday I worked with a woman who had Hashimoto's and I said to her, are you okay if we clear this out this morning? And right now in this now moment, if you no longer had Hashimoto's and she said, absolutely. And we got in there with her higher self. And in like five minutes, it was just removed from her. Now oh. I haven't checked in with her today, but those kinds of medical miracles happen regularly in my one-on-one -on -one work. And again, I mean, like I'm just the facilitator. That's what spirit calls me. And I love that stuff. And that doesn't happen with the groups. That only happens like clearing out people's lifelong trauma, having those medical miracles. That's happening when I work with people one-on-one. -on -one. So I love all of it. And then when you lead tours, oh my gosh, the healing that can happen when you go to that like 30,000 mile away from home place is <laughs> phenomenal, makes a huge difference. And sometimes people need to get so out of their day to day. You know, I used to lead Eat, Pray, Love tours for a long time, about 10 years. Um, and people would come, you know, women would show up on the tour and be like, 
you know, I've only got a week and my husband shot himself in the next room 10 years ago and I've never gotten over it. And let, and I'm like, let me pull these tools out of my toolbox from my work and of myself and see what I can do to help. And that's actually what led to my coaching work. So now I coach on my tours as well. And now's a good time to probably mention that I'm about to announce an Egypt tour in October. Um, I'm doing, um, oh, it's, it's called like, gosh, I, I think we called it like balancing the divine, but it's a, it's, it's a place where we're going to go, we're going to go to all the temples privately and in the King's chamber of the great pyramid and stand between the paws of the Sphinx and all the things that tourists don't normally get to do. And we're going to balance the energy inside of each of us, men and women of the sacred divine masculine and feminine. And it's just, you know, the, the very stones in Egypt will wake you up. That's what happened to me. So that's why, I, so I just, I love all of it. I want to do all the things. I'm all like, that's another thing. Like, sign me up. <laughs> so, and you have like a hotel and everything for everybody to stay oh, in. Oh gosh, we have the best hotels in Egypt. Yes, we stay at the Mina house, which is this former palace overlooking the Great Pyramid. Uh, and then we go and at the end of the trip, we stay at the Four Seasons. And in between, we do a seven night Nile cruise on a ridiculously gorgeous cruise ship. And the cruise ships are very tiny on the Nile. The Nile itself is like, you know, in some places it's like a half a mile wide. So like this is, I think this cruise ship is like, I don't know, 34 suites or something. It's tiny. Oh, yeah. So yeah. So and depending on the COVID situation by then we may yeah. end up on the ship or just alone. We'll see. We'll see. Right. So Ooh, that sounds fabulous. And is that more like a healing or business or a combination of both or? Oh, there's no business on the tours. None. I uh, mean, you can t you could sit down with me at breakfast and I could, you know, do a business plan for you or like, you know, help you create your next year of business success and growth or, you know, plan your your income arc or any of that stuff. But it's not the main, you know, it's, it's got that's not not what we're there. Like there's three or four workshops on the trip where we're going to be doing the sacred divine masculine and feminine balancing and history of it and all of that. But none of them have to do with business. OK, um, I just I mean as an entrepreneur it's near and dear to my heart so happy to do all that stuff so okay yeah, good. yeah because that sounds fabulous and i know a lot of people uh, yeah it's just the energy of egypt the the there's just something there you know such a an old sacred yeah um place yeah. that's probably just totally uh I get goosebumps thinking about it. Yeah, know. well, then you should think about coming because that's exactly what happens for people is you get the call. And this trip is a way to answer the call. But but I know from working with hundreds and hundreds of people on my tours, you get the call. And it's it's immensely powerful when you answer it because Egypt is like coming home for all of us. Uh, it's, just, it's just an amazing trip. This will be my, I think my 27th or 28th tour. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And so people can get a hold of you at Holly Evelyn, Evelyn or Evelyn? Evelyn. Uh, H A L L E E A V like victory, E L Y N like ninja, hallieevelyn.com. Okay. And uh, I actually can offer your listeners a free gift if you would like. 
Yeah, please tell me the, um, I know Whitney sent me the link. So actually just... the, it's, it's easiest to get to on the homepage. So you just go to HallieEvelyn.com. Okay. The gift is called Three Keys to Slay Your Inner Critic. And it is basically a way to quiet the voice in your head that says you can't, you shouldn't, you won't, you're not going to be successful, all the limiting beliefs. It's a way to quiet that so that you can start to get more accomplished so that more of your energy can move toward the positive and move away from the negative. Oh, that's wonderful. Because I know even the people who are very much in it, I'm doing it, they still hit roadblocks from time to time. Yeah, they do. Yeah. 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 Well, I am so happy that we finally got together Me today. Too. Thank you so, so much, Sue. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Holly. And yeah, I am looking forward to getting to know you and your work even more in the future and hopefully maybe join you in Egypt because that's totally on my list. That would be awesome. All right. Well, blessings to you and to everyone that you are all your viewers. Thank you so much for this time today. Thank you, Holly, and take care. And thanks again for your time and your patience. And we will hopefully talk soon. Excellent. All right. Blessings. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Right.